And I love what he says in Philippians 1, verse number 5. He says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day. Everybody say the first day. That first day of that church beginning. And that's what brought him joy in the midst of uncertainty. That's what brought him joy in the midst of difficulty. He says, man, I remember that first day. And today is the first day uh, for Rock Hill Baptist Church. And we're looking forward again uh, to what God is going to do. And uh, today is a day of many new beginnings. We're still beginning a new year. We're beginning a new church. And we're going to be beginning a brand new sermon series today. And uh, looking forward to that. John chapter number 2. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto, unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever, everybody say whatsoever, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and he saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when uh, men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning, everybody say beginning. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory in his disciples. They believed on him. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that we have this opportunity to begin this church today. God, I pray that uh, in the next few minutes as we look to scripture, as we look to your word, God, I pray that we would be challenged. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that we would be edified. God, I pray that we could leave here differently because of the words that you've taught us this morning. And God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever started a exercise routine for the new year? Can I see your hands if you'd admit that? Started a new exercise routine? Okay, a couple years ago, uh, Katie, uh, my wife, we decided that we were going to get serious about exercise and we were going to start uh, this new routine. And uh, we discovered that beginning this new routine was not going to be easy. And uh, we decided that we were going to do uh, kind of all the rage back then a couple years ago was P90X. How many of you guys have ever heard P90X before? Uh, Katie and I, we said, okay, we're going to do P90X. We're going to take this serious and and I told Katie, if we're going to do this, we've got to do it right. So we went to Target, and uh, we bought the little weights that we needed, and we bought the pull-up bar, and we bought a yoga mat, and we bought all these things that really we probably didn't need anyways. But we bought all these different things. We were going to be serious about this. And uh, we bought the DVDs. We we're going to be working out from home. And I remember the night before that we started this exercise routine, I, I kind of sat down with Katie, and I said, now, this is not going to be easy and if we're going to do this, we've got to do it right, okay? And I said, we've got to kind of hold each other accountable, and we've got to push each other to the limit. And if I'm starting to slack off, you've got to tell me, hey, you know, get back in. And if you're slacking off, I'm going to tell you. And she said, okay, we're going to do it. So the next day we got up, we woke up early, we put the DVD in, and we started. And I was going like 100 miles an hour. Uh, if we're going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I was, I was sweating like crazy. My face is red. I'm like doing the hardest level that you can do. And uh, I'm, I'm going as hard as I can. I look over uh, about 20 minutes in the workout, and Katie 
is sitting on the couch and uh, she's drinking from her brand new pink water bottle that, that we had just bought her the night before. And I looked over and I was like, Katie, what are you doing? Come on. And she was like, just, just give me a minute. And I was like, you know what? Okay, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to be determined, you know, even though no man stands with me, I'm going to just keep on going. I'm going to, you know, uh, embrace this challenge. And so I started going harder and I was, I was just exercising. About 10 more minutes passed by. I was just beat. I was just completely out of shape. And uh, Katie came up behind me slowly and, and she patted me on the back. And she said, she handed me some water, and she said, it's okay, you tried. You tried. <laughs> and I remember I was so mad about that, and I, and I said, you know, I'm going to get, but my body was telling me something different. I was like, okay, fine. And we sat down on the couch, and we watched the rest of that DVD together on the couch. And uh, th that, that program was supposed to last 90 days. We didn't even make it 90 minutes, okay? Uh, we, we tried to start right, but we just, we just couldn't sustain it. You know, beginning is not always Easy. This morning, I want to talk about how we can capitalize, how we can leverage a new beginning. John chapter number two is a scripture that's all about new beginnings. The Bible says that this was the beginning of miracles which Jesus was about to perform. And so all the great miracles that, that, that we know of in scripture and all the great miracles that Jesus performed, this was the beginning. And we can learn a lot about uh, the beginning uh, of his miracles from this story. We can learn a lot about how to begin well from John chapter number two. Uh, Bill Russell uh, was one of the most famous uh, centers in NBA history. Uh, played for the Boston Celtics. He uh, won 11 championships. He uh, won five MB MVPs, just an incredible basketball player. Uh, but he, not only was he talented, he knew how to, how to begin with vision. And in fact, in one interview, he said this. He said, I always regarded the first day of practice as the beginning of a championship season. What many regard as, hey, it's the first practice, I can come in maybe a little bit out of shape, I can take a little bit of time to kind of get into it. No, Bill, Bill Russell said, I'm going to begin with vision. I'm going to see where this is going to take me. This is just the beginning of a championship journey. And I'm praying today that God would allow us to start with vision, to see that, hey, this is just the beginning of a faith-filled journey, that this is just the beginning of a move of God, that this is just the beginning of something very special. Uh, everybody look to your neighbor and say, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And so from John chapter number two, how can we learn to capitalize on a new beginning? You know, Jesus is all about new beginnings. God is all about new beginnings. I love what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse number nine. Behold, everybody say behold. Behold, the former things are come to pass and new things do I declare. I love what the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 21. And he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. How many of you are thankful today that we serve a God of new beginnings? That no matter what happened yesterday, uh, God can start us again fresh today. And I'm thankful for new beginnings, that his mercies are new every day. And so this morning, if you got your Bible open, keep it handy. We're going to refer back to these verses often. Uh, but John chapter 2, how can we capitalize on a new beginning? Well, number one. If you're taking notes, we've got to send the invitation. We've got to send the invitation. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 2, verse number 1. It says this, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And I find it interesting that Jesus was attending this wedding. I find it interesting that Jesus was in the small town of Cana, and he, the fact that he was just even at this wedding is a little bit intriguing. Uh, I read a couple years ago that Taylor Swift, she made headlines because uh, she went to a fan's house unannounced and uh, she, she just said, hey, surprise, and she brought 
uh, her fan, this, this lady's name was Stephanie Barnett, and she just bought her a bunch of, uh, her son a bunch of toys and just kind of surprised her and said, hey, I just want to hang, hang out with you for a little bit. And uh, Stephanie was so shocked, and, and uh, she said in an interview that she just couldn't believe uh, that, that, that she showed up. And Taylor Swift bought her son this little toy Mercedes car and all these different things. And uh, she said this uh, uh, later on. She said, uh, the car was so big, she's like, I don't know how to ship it, so I thought I'd just bring it over. And I was like, who does that? It's incredible. You know, it's a little bit unusual, someone of, of Taylor Swift, her celebrity status. It's a little bit unusual for her to just kind of with her busy schedule just to show up at somebody's house and hang out and to bring these gifts. Well, we come to John chapter 2, and here is Jesus. He is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is sent from heaven with, with the most important mission in human history. What is he doing at this small-town village of Cana at a wedding? We don't even know whose wedding it is. What is Jesus doing here? Why did Jesus attend this wedding? Well, the answer is fairly simple. If we look at verse number 2, it says this, And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Jesus attended this wedding because he was invited. He attended this wedding because they invited him. You'll be surprised where God will show up if he's invited. Jesus attended because he was invited not too long ago. Well, I guess, I guess a little while ago, Katie and I got married. And uh, uh, about six years ago, we got married. And uh, good times, yes. Um, and I remember we had a great wedding celebration. And afterwards at the dinner, at the dinner uh, uh, reception, we had this photo booth. And it was a lot of fun. You know, we had all the props and, you know, people could wear hats and different things and they could take a lot of pictures and it was a lot of fun. Well, what was even more fun than that is the photo booth company afterwards, a couple months later, they sent us a digital copy of all the images that were taken that night. And Katie and I got to look at those and I was like, wow, the things that were taking place in that little booth, people were really celebrating, you know, that night. And, uh, and uh, we were kind of looking at those pictures and uh, uh, we started to notice, we're like, hey, that, that person wasn't even invited to the, to the dinner. <laughs> And we started to see these people weren't even invited. They just showed up without an invitation. Jesus did not show up to this wedding without an invitation. He was invited. Jesus is not just interested in you on Sunday. Jesus is interested in you. I find it interesting that this was not a church service. This was not a Bible study. This was not a church gathering. This was just a small town wedding celebration that Jesus showed up at. God will show up wherever he is welcome. And this morning, I believe that God wants to do an incredible work in your life, but he needs an invitation. I believe that God wants to do an incredible work in your business, in your family, in your marriage, but he's waiting for us to send the invitation. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter number, uh, uh, chapter number 3, verse number 20. Behold, everybody say behold. behold. I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. See, Jesus is waiting for an invitation. And when it comes to God doing a great work in your life, it's not a matter of interest. It's a matter of invitation. He's interested in every area of your life. In Acts, it says that he is Lord of all, every area. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 1, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Everybody say, who is the beginning? who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In all things, in every area of your life, Jesus wants to be included, but he needs to be invited. So first of all, if we want to capitalize on a new beginning, we've got to send the invitation. Number two, if you're taking notes, we've got to expect the inconvenience. Expect the inconvenience. Notice what the Bible says in verse number three. It says, and when they wanted wine... The mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. And so there's a problem. There's a shortage. 
uh, during this time, uh, weddings were very different than our culture. They lasted typically about a week-long uh, week celebration, and uh, family would come in, and friends would come in from all of town. They would kind of all stay together, and it was just prolonged uh, celebration. Another thing that was unique in this culture about weddings is typically the groom was responsible for uh, all, all the food and all the refreshments and everything. That, that was his responsibility. And so for them to run out of wine would have actually been a major social blunder. Uh, this would have been a major catastrophe. In some cases, legal action could have been taken uh, against the groom because he failed to provide the proper wedding gift. And so in this scenario, when they run out of wine, this is a pretty big deal. This is not just like, oh, let's go get some water or something else. No, this, was, uh, this, was, uh, this meant that this would be the end of the celebration. There's a shortage. You know, sometimes life doesn't go how we planned it. Sometimes there's a shortage where we thought there would be satisfaction. What happens in life when you're running on empty? What happens when you experience shortage where you thought that you'd experience satisfaction? Maybe 2016 left you feeling empty. Maybe you experienced some sort of heartache, some sort of tragedy, and on the inside you just feel empty, there's a shortage. There was a lady in the Old Testament named Naomi, and uh, she was going through a difficult season and uh, lost uh, some family members, and she was feeling empty. In fact, the Bible says this in Ruth chapter number 1. I went out full. Now, now notice this is what Naomi says after going through this difficult season. I went out full. Everybody say full. And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you, uh, you mean Naomi, seeing that the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. But, but I want you to notice how Naomi's perspective was all wrong about this. She said, I went out full. And the Lord brought me home again empty. She said, I was responsible for my blessings. I went out full and then God took them away. No, Naomi, God provided those blessings in the first place. The Bible says in James that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Anything good in your life is from God. And so Naomi said, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And the Almighty hath afflicted me. The word afflicted means broken. See, sometimes God wants to break us in order to use us. Sometimes God wants to empty us in order to pour out his supply. And so uh, Naomi was feeling empty. But let me just tell you this. When you're running on empty, be very careful how you get full. Amen. When you're running on empty and when there's a shortage, be very careful how you get full. Because sometimes we try to get full in all the wrong places. And so they, they experience this shortage. What are they going to do? Well, I love what Mary does in verse number 3. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. I love that Mary goes to Jesus with the problem. See, whenever there's a shortage, Jesus has a solution because Jesus is the solution. And so Mary says, you know what, I'm just going to, instead of worrying about this, I'm just going to go ahead and take this problem to Jesus. I'm going to go ask him about it. You know, a lot of times when we're running on empty, we go to several different places when we should be going to Jesus because we have direct access to God through Jesus. But many times we don't take advantage of that access. I, read, uh, I was watching a, a video recently and it was of Steve Jobs. And uh, he was talking about how when he was 12 years old uh, that he wanted uh, some parts for a frequency converter that he was building. And so he said, I decided, I looked in the phone book, I found uh, Bill Hewlett's number. It was still in the phone book. And I called him up from HP and I said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm 12 years old and I'm looking to uh, build a frequency converter. And I was wondering if you had any spare parts. And he said, uh, Bill Hewlett laughed and he said, sure. And then later on, uh, he gave him the parts and he actually offered him a job later on that summer. And uh, what Steve Jobs said is most people will never pick up the phone and call. 
And he says that's what separates those who dream about doing things and those who do things. And it's unbelievable how we have access to God, but many times we don't take advantage of that access. See, before Jesus, there was limited access to God. The Jews, they had the temple, but the Gentiles could go to the temple, but they couldn't even go inside because there was a a wall of separation. There was a separating wall. They couldn't even get inside. And even then, only the priests uh, could go into the Holy of Holies once a year to obtain grace and forgiveness. And so there was this limited access to God. But I love what the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 27, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rock... And the rocks rent. And so when Jesus died on the cross, that separating veil, that separating wall was torn in half from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top because this was only a job that God could do. And now all men everywhere have unlimited, unrestricted access to God. Is anybody thankful today that we have access to God through Jesus? For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And it's the man Christ Jesus. We can boldly approach the throne of grace. And so whatever you're going through, whatever shortage you're experiencing, let me encourage you today. You don't have to pray to a priest. You don't have to pray to a pastor. You can go boldly to the throne of grace. You can have access to God. And so Mary says we have this shortage. I'm going to go ahead and ask Jesus for help. Notice what it says in verse number four. Then Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now that's a strange response from Jesus. You know, growing up, if I would have said that to my mom, I would have got my mouth washed out with soap for sure. You know, can you imagine? My mom says, hey, Matt, get me, get me a refill. Woman, <laughs> what have I to do with thee? You know? What's even more interesting is that Jesus goes and performs a miracle. So it's like my mom says, Matt, can I have a refill? And I say, woman, what do I have to do with thee? And then I went and go get her, got her a refill, you know? So what is Jesus trying to teach us? The only other time that phrase is used in the New Testament, what have I to do with thee, is actually spoken by demons to Jesus. Saying, what, what do we have in common here? And Jesus is trying to teach two things with this statement. One, he's allowing no favoritism. The, the, the word woman is a, is a respectful term. It's not necessarily a term of endearment, but it's kind of like saying ma'am. And what he's doing is he's saying, there's no favoritism here. I'm now in line in the will of my father. My, 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 my vertical relationship uh, takes precedence over my horizontal relationships. There's, there's no favoritism here. I'm not just going to do this because you're my earthly mother. No, I'm not just going to do this because of that reason, because we're family. No, uh, I'm in line with my heavenly father. And then he was uh, responded this way to show that he's working according to his timetable. Notice what he says in verse number four. He says, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Jesus referred often in the New Testament to his hour. He would say that repeatedly, mine hour is not yet come, mine hour is not yet come. Until eventually in John 12, he says, uh, the hour of my glorification is here, mine hour is come. And so what he's teaching Mary and what he's teaching everybody else is that uh, God does not work according to our timetable. Uh, sometimes we want an answer now, and sometimes God says, well, let's wait a little bit. And so Jesus responds this way to say, hey, I'm going to do things according to my timetable, and, and I'm, I'm going to do things uh, not because of any sort of favoritism or anything like that. Notice what it says in verse number 5. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. So we have this invitation. They invite Jesus. Then there's this inconvenience. There's this shortage. But I want you to notice number three this morning, and it's this. We've got to increase our involvement. Increase your involvement. The Bible says this in verse five. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now, this could be a whole sermon in and of itself. 
uh, what Mary tells the servants. Notice verse 5 again. Let's look at it a little bit more closely. Verse 5. Whatsoever, that's anything, that's open-ended. He, not anybody else, saith, you've got to be listening, unto you, not the other guy, do it. That's an action, not a desire. Whatsoever, he saith unto you, do it. This was an unconditional call to surrender. Whatever he says, whatever he says, go ahead and just follow that instruction. What Mary understood is provision often follows obedience. First, we need to be following the instruction if we want to receive the blessing. So Mary says, whatever he says, go ahead and do it. I read about a story not too long ago about a man named Peter Wan, and he was in a fishing tournament in North Carolina. And uh, him and his team, they, they won the grand prize for this fishing tournament. This was in 2010. And the grand prize was somewhere upwards of $1.2 million for his team uh, for this fishing tournament. And uh, Peter Wan and his team, they were all excited. They were high-fiving, thinking about how they were going to spend the money when the judges made an important discovery that before Peter pushed off the dock that day, he failed to purchase a $30 North Carolina recreational fishing license and therefore excluded him and his teammates from winning that money, and it went to the second-place team. See, when we fail to follow the instruction, we're going to forfeit the future blessing. And so Mary said, hey, if we want to see God do something, hey, whatsoever, anything, open-ended, whatever he tells you to do, go ahead and do it. She says, whatever he says. The Bible says in James chapter number 1, verse 22, but be ye doers. Everybody say doers. Doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his Deed. And so if you want to make the most of a new beginning, you've got to follow the instructions that Jesus has given us found in his word. We've got to be willing to say, whatever Jesus wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to increase my involvement. I'm not going to just observe from the sidelines. I'm going to serve on the front lines. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. This was an unconditional surrender, but also this was unusual. Look at what it says in verse number six. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. This, this would have been an unusual command, an unusual request. Uh, I was in Israel several years ago, and we went to the village where they believed that Cana was. And uh, they showed us some of these water pots, what they looked like, and they were massive. They were very large. And uh, it was kind of used for ceremonial cleansing, the purifying of the Jews. They would wash their hands in this water. They would wash their feet in this water. And so uh, to fill it up to the brim, this wouldn't have made any sense at all. These were just ordinary containers, ordinary pots that God wanted to use for his purpose. See, God loves to use the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. And so many times our eyes are on what's magnificent when God is already working through the mundane. And these, these pots were nothing special. This wasn't even what they were used for, but God was going to purpose what was nearby, uh, repurpose what was nearby. This, this isn't even what they were used for. You know, Jesus was trying to teach these servants that it's not really about what's on the outside, it's about what's on the inside. It's not about the container, it's about the content. Many times we get so caught up in the container. What does something look like? Does someone look like me, dress like me, talk like me? When God's far more concerned with 
the heart? Is there, is there substance to it? What, what's the content? We can get so distracted by the container, what something is perceived to be, the, the, uh, what something looks like, but is there substance to it? And so uh, the, the, the servants, they went ahead they went ahead and did it. Now, now these would have been 25-gallon pots. This would have been a difficult assignment. This would have been heavy to, to, to lift these. But I believe that the heaviest lifting gives God the greatest glory. And sometimes the most difficult assignments yield the most abundant blessings. I, I may not know much about church planning, but I can tell you this. It's a lot of work. Uh, it, it's not easy. But I believe that the heaviest lifting gives God the greatest glory. And so the, these servants, they, they kind of get together and they start obeying, not really sure what's going to happen. Notice verse number, verse number 9. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, so this miracle that took place, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. I love that. Because they were serving, they were seeing. No one else understood what was taking place. The governor didn't know. The ruler of the feast, the guy in charge, he didn't understand what was happening. But the servants knew. Because when you're involved, you're informed. The, the, the closer you get, the more you're going to experience. And so these servants, they understood what was taking place because they were up close and personal. Can I challenge you this morning, uh, wherever you are in your walk of life, to increase your involvement. Whatever God wants you to do, go ahead and just do it. Because when you're up front serving, you're always going to experience more of the blessing. And so I want to encourage you to get involved, whatever that may be. Maybe it's getting involved in a ministry. Or I, I, my prayer, my goal, is that many of you that are visiting today would say, you know what, I want to be a part of a life-giving, life-changing church from the ground up. I want to get in on the ground level and say, hey, I want to be a part of this. I want God to use me and increase your involvement and experience the miracle firsthand. Amen. And so these servants, they, they, they carried this water. It's turned to wine. The governor's like, wow, this is amazing. Which brings us to our last point this morning. Number four, how can we capitalize on a new beginning? Number four, we've got to enjoy the introduction. Enjoy the introduction. There's something special about an introduction. Um, my favorite basketball team uh, is the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, I love going to Staples Center. I love uh, going to Lakers games. But one of my favorite part, parts about going to a Laker game uh, is the introductions. You know, right when they're getting ready to introduce the starting lineup, the lights go out, the music gets loud, there's usually an awesome video, and there's fire and all these different things that are taking place. Uh, there's something special about an introduction. And if we want to make the most of a new beginning, we've got to learn to enjoy the introduction. Well, in this passage, the introduction to what? Well, notice first uh, to satisfaction. Notice verse number 10. It says this. And he saith unto them, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men hath well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. And so the governor was completely amazed by this. Now we have this good wine. Now, Wine was different in this culture, in this context. Uh, the water was not safe to drink. If you drank the water, you'd get sick. If you drank the wine, you'd get drunk, and so they would di dilute the water with wine. They would kind of mix the two together. Furthermore, I believe that the wine which Jesus made was, was perfect. It was new wine without time for fermentation. And so this was perfect wine that Jesus had made, this miracle. And, and in, in result of this the, this, the celebration could continue on. The satisfaction was restored. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 58, verse number 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul. Everybody say, satisfy thy soul. In drought. And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. I love what Adrian Rogers said about this passage. He said, the same Jesus who turned water into wine can transform your home, your life, your family, and your future. 
He is still in the miracle working business and his business is the business of transformation. And I don't know where you are in life, but I believe that today could be the introduction to a life of freedom and to a life of satisfaction. Instead of searching all over the place trying to figure out what's gonna make me happy, look no further than Jesus Christ because he is the true fulfillment of satisfaction. And so this was the beginning. This was just the beginning. This was just the introduction to a life of satisfaction, but also this was just the beginning to a life of salvation. Notice what it says in verse number 11. This beginning, everybody say the beginning. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed. Everybody say believed. They believed on him. See, there was a greater purpose taking place in this story. Verse number 11 tells us what the story is really all about. It wasn't really about water to wine. It was about believing in Jesus Christ. And these, these disciples, they believed on him because of what they saw. That was the purpose of this miracle. That's the purpose of the book of John. That's the purpose why we're here this morning. The Bible says in John chapter 20, verse number 30, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. That's the reason for this miracle. That's the reason we're here. That's what it all boils down to. That's why we're beginning this church, so that we can reach people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. They believed. This was the beginning of satisfaction, of salvation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, for he saith, I have heard thee uh, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what it boils down to. It's only Jesus. He said, I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me it's not by works it's not by coming to church and reading our bibles and trying to be good people no it's only through a relationship with jesus that we can have an eternal destination secured in heaven it's only through his name it's all about his grace it's not about our works it's about the undeserved favor that jesus died on the cross for our sins and he paid a, a price that we could not pay this whole story in John chapter number two is about grace. Jesus was showing the groom grace. This was his fault. He was supposed to be the one to provide the refreshments. He was the one that was supposed to provide for the celebration. In fact, notice what it says at the end of verse number nine. It says, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. I wonder if as the groom is walking to the governor of the, you know, the, the person in charge of the celebration, he's walking to him and he's wondering, what am I gonna say? Maybe he was planning a speech in his mind, I'm sorry that I, that, that I didn't have enough. And maybe he was planning a speech to tell everybody they had to go home. I, I didn't prepare, I messed up, there was a shortage, it was my fault. And then in verse number 10, the governor of the feast says, this is great, you saved the best till last. And the groom was like, yeah, I did, right? He had no idea. Because of what Jesus did, now the groom is the hero. It was all because of Jesus' grace. 
And if there's one thing that we all have in common this morning is that we've all fallen short. Just like the groom had that shortage, we have a shortage as well. For there is none righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how many great works that we can do, no matter how many times we pray or read our Bibles, that's not what it's about. It's only about what Jesus did on the cross. It's only about a relationship with him. And maybe this morning you've never experienced that introduction to Jesus. Maybe you've never had that beginning, that relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, that's what it's all about. We want today to be the beginning of a new life found in Jesus Christ. We're beginning a new church. This is a new year, but we want to begin a new relationship with many of you uh, that you can find a relationship in Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. This could be the introduction. This could be the beginning of satisfaction and salvation. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes together this morning.